AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Traders are wrapping up a week of low-volume holiday trade, and the House is expected to wrap up the long process of getting a spending bill through Congress at some point today. We're battling through the cold as travelers get stranded at airports, but we've got a lot of ground to cover on this week's free-for-all. Live from, you call that a blizzard via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. Today, it's the Friday free-for-all with the following panelists in reverse alphabetical order. Wiesmeyer, Jim, Haney, Sean, Grady, Brian, that is all. We'll get the news from Michelle Rook, I'm producer Big Apple, Joe Stackler, and now, the ho-ho host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. <laughs> Excellent work, Joe. You're talking pretty tough about this weather out there. You call that a blizzard? <laughs> <laughs> Tempting fate. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Welcome. Sure. Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, as I said, we've got a lot of ground that we need to cover, including what is in the omnibus spending bill that you need to know about, what is going to have an influence on how you might do business in the year ahead, what's the spending for agriculture, okay, uh, and the earmarks. I want to talk about the earmarks in this. As a matter of fact, I kind of want to have an earmark conversation with Wiesmeyer this morning. We'll find out what his thoughts are there. Uh, we'll get some reaction to Zelensky's uh, visit. And we've got we, we've got livestock news that we need to talk about today as well. All right, let's get to some of the news today. We've got Michelle Rook. Michelle, thanks for being here this morning. Good morning, and I think that's Rook Michelle, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. It is Rook Michelle. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What? Let's go ahead and get started with the news. You bet. Well, the weather was bad yesterday in winter storm. Elliot is worse today for many in the middle of the country. Chip tells me wind chills outside his studio in northeast Iowa are about 35 to 40 degrees below zero here in South Bend. They're 30 below, Kansas City's 25 below, and Houston, Jeez. Texas is wind chilled this morning, just four degrees. In Washington, D.C., Jim Wiesmeyer is looking at wind chills of 20 degrees, but he's right on the leading edge of the storm, and it looks like it will be getting colder on the East Coast very soon. You know, me being from Iowa, north northern Iowa, you originating from South Dakota, we've made a little bit of fun of the uh, the winter storm here, Michelle. But when you look at what the guys are dealing with uh, in cattle country and dealing with with caring for the livestock out there, you know, I said it yesterday. I'm going to say it again today. Hats off to you guys. Just do your best. Stay warm. And uh, thanks for taking care of the animals that that, uh, that are keeping us fed. But, man, the one that, that impresses me the most on that list, I think it's four degrees, wind chill of four degrees down at Houston. Yeah, they're not used to that down there, that's for sure. No. Um, which, of course, brings up memories of two years ago in February when the grid went down. 
it right. seems like it seems like the power they they're doing a pretty decent job of keeping the power on in in this time where the the power requirements are basically through the roof hopefully that continues because if it doesn't we're going to be looking at another disaster down in the southern part of the country yeah like we need another disaster or black swan right yeah yeah no doubt no doubt all right let's keep going what you got yeah well it's the day before the christmas weekend and all through the house many market participants have already started their holiday weekend it's expected traders will turn the holiday weekend into a holiday week and the grain and livestock markets will trade normal hours today, restarting at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on Tuesday, December 27th. Now, ProFarmer's analysis of yesterday's USDA cold storage reports is beef stocks climbed in November at a quicker than normal pace, while pork stocks declined in November also at a slightly quicker than normal pace. The data, however, isn't expected to have much influence on today's trade. There's more news for the livestock markets coming up at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Central USDA's monthly cattle on feed report is expected to show feedlot inventories on December one down 2.8% from a year ago. Quarterly hogs and pigs report expected to show the U.S. hog inventory contracted 1.5% from a year ago. Well, yeah, there important, are it, important numbers for the for the livestock markets going forward. And and the, the thing when we look at the quarterly hogs and pigs report, I think everyone kind of anticipates that at some point the expansion is going to kick back in. So we're going to have to take a closer close look at the forward looking numbers in there. The farrowing intentions number in particular. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this several times on my market shows yesterday. The market has been anticipating these tighter numbers. Look at the premium structure in both cattle and hogs with the premiums in the back months. So, yep, exactly. Good point. There are export sales to report this morning. We got a little Christmas present early here. USDA reported the sale of 124,000 metric tons or 4.6 million bushels of soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations for the current marketing year. And USDA also says 150,000 metric tons or 5.9 million bushels of corn was sold for delivery to Mexico this year as well. Well, you and Jim are going to be talking about this. The Senate on Thursday passed the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. The House could pass the bill as early as this morning. The Senate also passed a one-week continuing resolution. Now, if the House does the same, that would keep the government running until December 30th to allow time to prep the spending bill for President Biden to sign. The Senate yesterday did finally confirm President Biden's nominee to serve as chief agricultural negotiator for the Office of U.S. Trade Representative. Doug McCallop's confirmation as the chief ag negotiator triggered a wave of support comments from commodity groups. The Senate also confirmed the new USDA undersecretary for food safety. U.S. personal consumption expenditures increased 5.5% in November, the slowest expansion since October of last year and below October's 6% growth. The core index, which is the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge, came in at 4.7% in line with trade expectations. And USD increased its food inflation outlook and food for home consumption is the reason. Prices for all foods are expected excuse me, expected to increase three and a half to four and a half percent in 2023, up from the earlier outlook of three to four percent as far as a climb. 
Grocery prices expected to go up three to 4% from a year ago, up a half point from earlier expectations and food away from home prices are expected to rise four to 5%. And that matches some earlier projections. And finally, a U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken on Thursday, talked with the Turkish foreign minister to thank him for efforts to ensure the UN brokered Black Sea Grain Initiative will continue. The two leaders underscored the importance of NATO unity in supporting Ukraine's defense against Russian invasion. All right. And uh, just to let you know, we've already got some email communication going on on today's show. This one's from Bodwine. He wants to know, do black swans get avian influenza? (laughs) <laughs> well, everything else has been getting it this year, so yeah, no doubt. You, we we you had the item there on uh, on food prices. Eggs are leading the way, and it's not just because of higher input costs and higher uh, everything. I mean, avian influenza is having a huge impact on egg prices at the grocery stores. So something to watch, Michelle. Thank you so much. We'll you talk bet. to you again this afternoon. You bet. All right, stay tuned, everybody. We've got a lot of ground to cover, some hot topics on a cold day on the free-for-all. We've got pro farmers Jim Wiesmeyer and Brian Grady and Real Agriculture. Sean Haney, free-for-all, next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this morning. We've got the free-for-all gang ready to go. Pro-Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Chip. How's it going? I'm just fine. Uh, how do you feel about the weather so far? It, it looks like it's snowing out your way. Uh, just barely, but actually the sun is out right now. So, uh, although I haven't been outside. Yeah, well, it's coming. Just stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. All right. Uh, let's go up Alberta way. We've got Real Agriculture's uh, and Real Ag Radio, Sean Haney. Good morning, Haney. Oh, good morning, Chip. It's finally starting to warm up here a little bit. Like, yeah, uh, like, what, this weather's crazy. Like, it's the entire continent is basically under some sort of weather advisory. Yeah, thank goodness. I, I'm so glad that I'm not flying anywhere or trying to get anywhere. We we oh. earlier this week we had a wind chill factor for three days of minus sixty three Fahrenheit. 
Oh. That's that's uh that makes my <laughs> negative thirty five to forty here this morning. Uh you know, it, hey, it's still cold. Negative thirty five, negative forty. I don't know. Can oh, you yeah. tell the difference between a negative thirty and a negative sixty? Uh, you know what? You can. Really. I've been in negative some... seventy five wind chill. Have you in Grand Forks? Right. Oh yeah. 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 But yeah, so yeah, anyway. Pack a coat. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Special guest this morning, Brian Grady, Pro Farmer Editor. Good morning, Brian. Hey, Chip. I don't know what you guys are talking about with the weather. It's kind of balmy here in Cedar Falls. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. well. Yeah. As long um, as I'm inside, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're inside, it's fine. That's right. I've thrown a couple extra logs on the fire already out here at the bunker, so we're in pretty good shape. Uh, Beach. It, so the the weather kind of forced your hand this morning on the newsletter schedule. So we get a rare opportunity to get you on the free for all, man. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Oh, whatever. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping so, you were going to say bowl games because I, I would at one point I went a whole hour just dedicated to college football. Do you see, this show, but... do you see what Air Force did last night? Yeah, well, I, hey, I did, they're nine yeah. and three. They're they're yeah. they're a good team. Like a little bit of triple option, a few pass plays. They looked pretty good last night against Baylor. When when they started throwing the ball last night, and those receivers were not just open, they were wide open. I was like, Baylor's going to have a long night, and they did. Well, and yeah. Chip, I know how much you like Baylor. So oh, yeah, I, I actually thought of you watching the game last night and thinking, Chip, <laughs> just sitting in the recliner, having a really stiff whiskey with a big smile on his face, enjoying this. <laughs> well, that's pretty close to accurate there, ain't he? Good work, good work. <laughs> so, all right, let's get to the spending bill, Jim. Uh, status: Is the House going to get it done this morning? They will get it done. Maybe not this morning, but today. Okay. Uh, and uh, they, they're actually going to have another continuing resolution because of the time it takes to file the paperwork. But it's done, Chip. It will be approved. Okay. Um, Brian and Jim both, when you look at what's in that bill, what is most important for farmers to know? Well, I want to start off with rice. Uh, they get a $250 million one-time payment if you planted rice, you know, you know, this past year. And mm -hmm. they, they've been really hurt bad. I attended their annual meeting and uh, the attendance was down. And uh, I know a lot of rice producers. So, so that'll be helpful. Overall, $3.7 billion in an extension of the ERP program for eligible 2022 uh, crops and livestock losses, Chip. So, Aid is always good, and in this case, it's a lot of it. Yeah. You know, this brings up a point that I think about, and and, and we first had this thought when you go all the way back to the AMTA payments. <laughs> That's a long ways back to the Clinton administration. When all of the sudden um, uh, price, and <laughs> I know you're going to remember this, Jim, but price became a disaster. Tight margins became a disaster. It doesn't have to be a weather-related issue. You know, rising input costs and no, basically a flat market, based on this, is a $250 million disaster, Jim. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we have to use this as a learning experience as we go into the 2023 Farm Bill debate, Chip. We have yeah. to make, see if we can revise some of the safety nets to accomplish some of some of you know, the uh, items you just mentioned so we don't have to have ad hoc assistance. Right. Brian, when we think about the 23 Farm Bill and the debate that's going to or the negotiation that's going to be going on around that, we keep I keep going back to Title One, wondering if there's going to be any improvement in the safety net. And the the thing that concerns me, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday afternoon with Chad Hart, what Congress will do is they'll take a snapshot of the last couple of years and then try to fix any problems that are out there in the farm bill with the safety net. If they try to fix what happened in 2020, 2021, 2022, they're going to be trying to fix a really profitable period in agriculture, and I hope they don't try to do that. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's that's how, you know, Chad got it exactly right, because that, that's exactly what they do, right, Jim? I mean, they, they just take it and, and they try to make some adjustments. They don't go back and, and start over. Um, now, you know, keep in mind the um, – the Republicans, uh, they're going to focus on uh, safety net and and farmer side and, and those types of things. The Democrats, they want the, the climate um, change stuff. And, and so there's going to be some back and forth and, and maybe some new elements added and, and things like that. But uh, the bulk of it, well, and let's be honest, the bulk of it, uh, what is 75, 80 percent of it is food stamps and, and yeah, the uh, nutrition program. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that makes up the majority of it, and, and that isn't going to change. That, that number isn't going to get any smaller. It's been getting bigger over the, the course of time, not uh, not any smaller. So, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're talking about, what, 20% of the, the money that the, has to be um, debated about, basically. But, yep. but I wonder if the timing sort of works. It makes it kind of interesting because when you when you have a number of poor years in agriculture, Mm-hmm. It, it, there becomes much more of a push, a focus. We, we gotta, we gotta make sure that farmers are supported. We gotta, you know, we gotta work on this. When you have, you're coming off of some pretty, you know, in some cases, really good years uh, mm-hmm. in in agriculture, especially in the Corn Belt. Maybe there's added pressure to, well, wait a minute, what exactly are we doing here? What, why are we? Right. Why do, why do we have this many millions of dollars going, yep. you know, supporting farmers when they've been so profitable? We don't have this in other industries. Why is it? Why is it here? We could hear more I think of it's that. A real risk. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think you're right, Haney. I think it's a real risk. Well, I, I think uh, I'm on the other side. I, I think that there are reasons relative to improving the crop insurance uh, sector, especially yeah, especially but- for specialty crop, crops. And so you can avoid, but- you know, some of these ad hoc disaster payments. I mean, there's clear evidence that they can improve some of the concepts in crop insurance. Specialty crops have a real champion with Stabenow, correct? Yes. Yes, absolutely. The the Senate um, uh, chair of the Senate Ag Committee. So they've got a champion in place in in a high place on the Senate Ag Committee. I don't know if if the specialty crop lobby can be enough to offset what we hear from corn growers and soybean growers when they say, just don't do any harm. Yeah, and and we're pretty on here on the show corn soybean focused right yeah. and so 
you know, Jim mentioned some of the struggles for rice. There's there's struggles in other. It hasn't been a glowing picture for all of agriculture, even though it has been for corn and bean growers. So, you know, it, it may be an opportunity for them to get more of a of a voice in this narrative. Yeah. Yep. Jim, question. Well, you saw Stabenow got the $25 million for specialty crop equitable relief. So, yep. you know, score her for that. Uh, uh, yep. Yep. I hear you, Jim. I know that you were optimistic or or you're, you were watching for signs that maybe the row crop safety net would borrow some of the margin protection from dairy and from livestock and bring it over to the crop side. Is there any momentum there at all? No, I don't think so. They're, they're going to be very sensitive to not trying not to take from one commodity over the other, because that's where you get your splits and the true you know, debate and fractious. So I, I think they're going to have to get a commitment to perhaps higher spending than the baseline. And, and it's under the, uh, the headline yeah. food security, and yeah. that'll score you some funding. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. And I think Brian did a nice job of saying, listen, it's all, you've got 80, what is the number, Jim? It's going to be between, probably right close to 80% is going to be going to the nutrition program. Actually, 82 to 85%. 82 to 85% to the nutrition programs. That's why the farm state legislators are going to have to work with the urban legislators to get this done as one package. One other item that I want to touch on on the spending bill, earmarks. Wow. I wonder if I can get me a bike path. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Brian Grady's back with us to take a look at what's going on in the markets. I see a lot of plus signs on the grains. Absolutely, Chip. Uh, you know, double-digit gains here in uh, soybean futures and also in uh, SRW wheat futures. And, uh, uh, you know, we don't have corn too far behind or the uh, the other wheat markets. Uh, they're, they're also uh, uh, trading uh, about uh, six to eight cents higher and, and corn's five to seven cents higher or so here mid-morning. So good, okay. good solid uh, day of gains so far. You know, take a look over at the energy prices today because there's higher prices over in the energies too. We've got the February crude oil futures, WTI up 240 a barrel right now, knocking on the door at 80 bucks. It's helping out the bean oil market a little bit here, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that uh, that's kind of what we've seen. Uh, crude oil's uh, up big for the week, and and yeah. uh, uh, so there is a, a definite influence there, and not not just to to uh, soil oil, but uh, to the entire uh, grain and soy complex this morning. Gotcha. All right, let's go over to the livestock trade. What do you got there? 
Oh, quiet uh, in live cattle futures. So we've seen a little bit of steady trade in the cash market, but uh, really just, um, you know, the plants or beef plants are trying to stretch things out as much as they can through the holidays here. And, and I think that that will continue. Uh, they aren't probably going to buy many cattle when all said and done this week. Uh, cattle on feed report this afternoon. So just positioning ahead of that at the moment. And then uh, the hog market uh, you know, got too far out in front of the cash index, which yeah. continues to fall. And uh, so kind of predictably here, uh, we're seeing moderate to, to sharp pressure ahead of the extended uh, holiday weekend. Yeah, we've got the quarterly hogs and pigs report coming up this afternoon as well, I believe, right? Absolutely, we do. Yep, um, yep. we'll talk about some of those details uh, when the free-for-all returns in one minute. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. Welcome back to the free-for-all on AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. We've got Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, and Brian Grady with us this morning. Jim, uh, let's stay on the omnibus spending bill here for just a moment. Tell me about the, the earmarks. Well, there were uh, around 7,200, Chip, totaling uh, more than $15 billion. And interesting, uh, four uh, retiring senators uh, scored uh, just around $1.7 billion in those uh, earmarks. Uh, Senator Richard Shelby, uh, the re- top Republican on the Appropriations Committee, uh, gave a lot to the University of Alabama. You had uh, Senator Leahy, Vermont, got his share. Uh, Oklahoma Senator James Inhofe, a retiring Republican. So, but but I I, I don't want to be too negative on earmarks. Yes, right. uh, there shouldn't be nearly as many. But in selected cases, it helps get the votes that's needed on must-pass bills. So, yeah. if used judiciously, Bingo. if used judiciously, I don't and think correctly. you can call this judicious. Yes, absolutely. no, that's a, right. It was a sixty-eight twenty-nine vote. Like it 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 had to have played a factor. And and you know what? Who cares? They got something done. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you know, here's the deal that I've got with earmarks. They are a very, very effective way of funding projects, necessary projects around the country. If the process is followed, if the earmark requests are vetted, if the, the, those asking for the money have to prove the need. But when you just open up a bushel basket and say, Hey, Go ahead and throw your throw your your project and your and your price tag into the into the bucket. We'll uh, we'll make sure that it's included here. This is a ridiculous way of doing it. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's the biggest thing I hate about politics. It's just all you know what whose vote you can buy and all this stuff. That yeah. Just. It, but but the alternative though is they do they get nothing done. Oh, there would be and nothing. So done. they. Which is what the history has been over the past number of years, which we've seen all the executive order. Like, so it, it's sort of a necessary evil, if you want to put it that way, in order to motivate people to to move forward. Um, well, you, you know, you, you, we have this each year. I would love Congress in mid-July to fake out and tell them it's a week before Christmas and do what they usually always do, <laughs> settle their differences and get things done. It's that yeah. simple. Christmas yeah. in July. 
Christmas in July. Well, if they've got a big recess planned, uh, they usually get stuff done ahead of it because they want to get out of there as fast as they can. So whether it's a summer recess or, um, you know, for the holidays or whatever, but uh, they they can't get anything done until they have a recess deadline. And so maybe we should just have like recess deadlines all the time. (laughs) There you go. There you go. You know, it's it's like some of the people that were approved for positions at USDA in the U.S. Trade Reps office this week, Jim. I mean, the hold had been in place for months, way, way, months. way too long. Yeah. Um, and finally are lifted, you know, once once those that had a hold in place got what they wanted. It's called grandstanding usually, Chip. Yeah. And I know that there's some issues, but again, if they eventually can settle it, and they always do the last few hours of, of a Congress, either first or second session, why not come to grips with the issues well before that? Because these are people's lives and it's needed. And you, there are not many ag trade related officials in government. So this this really hurt. This really hurt. Now they're there. Now they can plan. I've said yeah. it before. I think there needs to be a change, a review of the process about yeah. how they approve positions like that, like, you know, say the chief ag trade negotiator, like th- th- you shouldn't be able to hold this up for, for the grandstanding that happened. Yep. Doug McCallop, chief ag negotiator at USTR. What do we need to know? He knows agriculture. That's good enough for me. Okay. All right. Um, Jose Emilio Esteban has been confirmed as, uh, as USDA's undersecretary for food safety. That's good news. We also had the undersecretary for trade at USDA confirmed this week. We're making progress. That's good. Uh, Brian, give us a preview of what to expect in this afternoon's Catalan feed report. Uh, boy, it's going to be the, uh, the feedlot inventory is going to be down for the third straight month year over year. And and so we're seeing those numbers tighten up, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, placements are going to be down uh, pretty significantly. Uh, the marketings are, are going to be almost in line with year ago. And, and, uh, but, you know, we continue to see our, our feedlot supply tighten and, and that, that process, uh, has been underway now, but, uh, it'll continue in, in 2023, no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah, weather market, weather market, weather market. And the thing is, when we do get the rain, it's going to tighten up our beef supply even more as the cow-calf guys try to bid some of those females out of the feed yard and put them back out on grass to to rebuild a cow herd. So, you know, cycle high usually comes in a year that ends in three just because of the way the herd changes over and, and, and everything. So, But to me, because when you look back at, at the drought that we had a decade ago in cattle country, it pushed that cycle high back a year into 2014. I think we're going to do the same thing this year, aren't we? Absolutely. We we've taken just a a lot of females out of the mix uh, and put them into the, uh, yeah, out of the breeding mix and breeding herd and, and put them into the feedlot and, and uh, um, you know, so just big year over year gains in, in the number of heifers and feedlots. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, boy, did I, I heard a commentary from gra- speaking of uh, cattle, uh, an interview with Grassley where, boy, did he sound defeated? <laughs> Not where Schumer didn't get that in the, the reading in front of the Senate, um, even though that Schumer had promised Tester he would. And he just sounded really defeated about the whole thing. Is that is based on the fact that Packer margins have turned negative? Is, is that whole thing just lost total momentum then? 
No, watch the Stabenow is in agreement with Grassley on his approach. So this, uh, the odds are rising that this could be part of a, any new farm bill. In the farm bill. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. You're, you're talking about the price reporting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah pr Absolutely. price reporting, the Watch mandatory it. cash trade levels, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if if Stabenow insists on it, and we're going to have to find that out, she'll get it. My goodness. Huh. Okay. Because he, he just sounded so, like, he just sounded so disappointed. You usually don't hear him like well, that. Well, I just... think he is. I, yeah. I don't I don't think there's any question that he's disappointed that it hasn't been taken up. And I don't know if he's yeah, I I wonder if he's just a little disappointed in Tester as well that he couldn't get Schumer to bring it up. Yeah, likely. So yeah, yeah. Um Beach, Hogs and Pigs report. What do we expect there? Uh boy, the numbers are gonna be down again. Uh you know, the average estimate is is the uh, point and a half lower than than year ago. I anticipate that it's probably going to be down about uh, two percentage points. Uh, okay. So I, I think that we'll see a little bit more contraction. Uh, but this contraction has now been going on for uh, for years, and yeah. uh, you know we're going to be down uh, about six percent, six and a half percent from the 2019 peak, um, and it's going to be the smallest inventory since 2017. So. Um, you know, the, the hog herd continues to uh, shrink here. Yeah. Yeah. And Jim, I know you follow the, just so many challenges in the way of getting some expansion out there. You've got diseases in the farrowing houses. You've got the rising interest rates the, that, that are blocking the construction of, I shouldn't say blocking, but they are a headwind to constructing new finishing units. There's lots of issues that the hog guys are dealing with right now, isn't there? Yep. And they're going to have to pay up to get expansion. So that's why, you know, you, you know, Brian, I think would agree. You're going to have upward pressure on both cattle and hog prices due to the lack of inventory uh, uh, levels. Yeah. And feed costs. Like yes. in, in, in the shorter Absolutely. term, right? Like it, yeah. and that, that's where we talk about, you know, we think about the, the profitability margins that have been out there for corn and bean growers. It has not been that way for hog and beef producers. So, that's right. you know, just as an example. Yep. That's right. Okay. I finally found what I was looking for. This is a comment that we get, that I got from Greg Henderson, editorial director at Drovers. He was on the show yesterday morning and I wanted to get his note on it before I mentioned it, because it's an impressive stat here. Here's the efficiency in the beef industry. The U.S. beef industry will produce 5 billion more pounds in 2022 than it did in 1975 with 40 million fewer cattle. <laughs> I mean, this is incredible, the efficiency of those animals out there. And, you know, we... we we talk a lot about how where's the incentive for the cow-calf guy to stay in it. Wh who's going to be the next generation? Fewer and fewer cattlemen out there. Well, Beej, this efficiency gain is part of the reason. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's it's not unlike uh, crop uh, row crop farming and stuff yeah. like that where, you know, the yields continue to rise. So yields on uh, – um, carcasses, the carcasses are bigger and, and, uh, you know, yielding more. And, and, uh, so you, you produce more with less, so to speak. And, and, yeah. uh, um, you know, that's it, how we're feeding the world. Yeah. But, but if you look at some of the weight of some of the cattle in the yards, 
and how we have seen, you know, putting more pounds on four legs. Yep. What, what's the, what is the top there? Like, have, have we seen Dude. sort of, or, or, yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when I was, when I was in 4-H, a 1,200 pound steer was about as much as you could hope for. Now, 1,450 or, or 1,400 and are, you know, pretty yeah. common. And you hear about those elephants that go through the sale barns that are pushing 1,650, 1,700 pounds, and they're still walking. They're still yeah. mobile. They're still able to gain weight. I I don't know what the number is as we go forward. It's pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable. We need to talk about a dairy dispute with Canada. We'll do that next right here on Agritech. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. We've got the free-for-all going, but first let's go ahead and make time for Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by MicroEssentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. I'm going to steal this one from Brian Grady at Pro Farmer. It's from the October 15 issue of Pro Farmer and comes from Madison County in central Ohio. He says, my beans range from 55 to 69 bushels per acre. They were planted early. Guys with later planted beans are fearing they will be lucky to make 50 bushel per acre. Corner on my farm is down about 20 bushel per acre from last year. I'm worried about the later planted corn. We were clipped by a heavy frost, and some hadn't quite black layered yet. Yields in the Fields is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic. All right, guys, let's get back to this here. Um, I mentioned the dispute between uh, pro former policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer, pro former editor Brian Grady, real agriculture Sean Haney. Uh, Jim, what's the status here? The, the the Biden team is looking into another potential dispute with Canada via USMCA over dairy quotas. Uh, yeah, because they don't uh, like uh, Canada's explanation of a USMCA decision that the U.S. thought they won. But I'm going to bow to Haney on this one. What's what you know, what's Canada going to do? 
Well, there, there's a list of things that are certain in the world. One, it's cold <laughs> in the winter. Two, Alabama has the top recruiting class. Yeah. And three, Canada and the U.S. can't agree on anything when it applies to the allocation of TRQs on dairy. Yeah. Um, th- 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 this is where I did a little bit of research this week on this, and it gets it just feels like it's so in the weeds. It it has it. My understanding is it continues to have to do with how Canada is not allocating the market access the the, the TRQ allocation to us processors and retailers and so the us market feels like they are being left out even though there's access they are being left out of participating um one of the questions here is i have is do we ever have resolution of this dispute as both sides feel that they are totally correct and will tell you read the text it you know it shows you that we're right both sides saying the exact same thing so it's it's hard to find a, a resolution just to see where the, this concludes. I, I was going to ask you that, Sean. I was going to, you know, will we ever see a conclusion? And, and apparently uh, you, you, you're along those lines. That yeah. Maybe we well, won't. Well, and, and the thing is, too, you know, the, the I think it was Jim Mulhern was quoted from uh, uh, National Milk Producers Federation talking about, uh, you know, maybe the U.S. needs to retaliate. And, and mm-hmm. that that's what I have for you guys is, is this this big of an issue this far away from the presidential election for this to result in some form of retaliation? When I first read that, I'm like, eh, I, I, that seems doubtful. Well, or how do you guys now feel that about? we have an undersecretary for trade at USDA? It might be. I would say it's likely because the Biden administration been very quiet on trade policy and they need some so-called wins. So I think this could be put in that basket, Sean. Yeah. Okay. Definitely one we need to follow in 2020, yes. oh. in 2023, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of trade and trade issues, there was actually a comment that I agreed with from the Biden administration regarding trade agreements where I, I don't remember exactly who made it, but it was, listen, we need to get into Latin America and start using USMCA as a template, template. for more yep. trade for more trade agreements with Latin America before China gets in there and has too much influence. I thought that was a very positive comment, Jim. Yeah. In my speeches, Chip, I say watch trade because it's it's been very light on the, any Biden initiatives. Oh, but yeah. I think this is going to change his next two years. And this is one area because the reason they should do it is geopolitical, Chip. China is going down to Latin America and inking new trade agreements. Yeah, before yep. China gets there or we're just trying to play catch up to what China is doing catch in up. Brazil and Argentina. Catch up. Yeah, catch up catch initially, up. yes. Yeah. Wait, wait to hear the, you know, Canada has had its own trade negotiations with uh, Brazil, for example. Listen to the, you'll, you'll, you'll hear from the beef people, for example, squawking about, you know, let's make sure we don't have all this Brazilian making it easier for that, it to get up here. Um, so it's, yeah. it, it, that, that we've saw that here for sure in those talks. Yeah, hey, Jim, well, uh, we've been, we've been so light on trade under the Biden administration, but we were so heavy under the Trump administration. Is that a tactical on purpose by the Biden administration or is it just what, what is it that that's made the trade such a light issue for them? It was just not a priority their first two years. And you saw where they focused on. But now they're looking at their agenda for the next two years. I think it's as yeah. simple as that. They just didn't prioritize trade. Period. Yeah. In the communications, for sure. 
Like yes, right. we, we heard about it every day from the Trump administration. <laughs> Apart, you know, th- there could be stuff oh, happening I'm... behind the scenes, but it's it's from a PR perspective, way less under Biden. Well, you know, yep. in my daily updates for Pro Farmer, I have a trade policy section, and more frequent than not, I just delete it because there has not been anything yeah. to talk about. Yep. yep <laughs> that tells exactly. you a lot right there. And there but Jim, I think there was with, an Mexic- up- with Mexico it, corn, Canada right. dairy, Latin America, I think we're going to see some movement, especially with these two new uh, good trade officials coming on. Yeah, Europe, you know, Mexico I mean, with the GMO yes. issue, it seems like Mexico is saying, listen, we told you that we were going to do this, uh, you know, ban GMO corn. Why did it take you so long to make a deal out of this? Is that what Mexico's saying now, Jim? Well, I, I personally think, I don't want to poo-poo this thing, but I think it's really a, a, their president's uh, initiative, AMLO. Holy and he's out of office at the end of 2024. I'm not so sure Mexico will continue okay. that initiative, but we have to keep him honest nonetheless. I think the U.S. Gotcha. will eventually get this uh, uh, rectified. Real quick, Haney, what's on your Christmas list? <laughs> Maybe some warmer weather and the fact warmer that weather, can college get football, and a drink in your hand. Absolutely, yes, amen. Yeah. I'm going along with you. That's what I'm putting on my list. Weismeyer, what a about you? Left Real quick, knee, a better left knee cap. Period. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Grady, you've got ten seconds. Give it to me. Relaxation. Beautiful, beautiful. Guys, thank you so much. Merry Christmas to y'all. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Pro Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady, Real Agriculture Sean Haney. Come back this afternoon. Chip Nallinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing.